one, so thanks for sticking with me. Sticking with me. Yeah, it was fairly easy. So, and good words. Good words. The scripture this morning is out of Jeremiah, chapter twenty-nine, verse one, and then four through seven. These are the words of the letter that the prophet Jeremiah sent from Jerusalem to the remaining elders among the exiles and to the priests the prophets, and all the people whom Nebuchadnezzar had taken into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to all the exiles whom I have sent into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Build houses and live in them. Plant gardens and eat what they produce. Take wives and have sons and daughters. Take wives for your son and give your daughters in marriage that they may bear sons and daughters. Multiply there and do not decrease. But seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile and pray to the Lord on its behalf. For in its welfare you will find your welfare. The word of God for the people of God. Word wants me to know if I'm enjoying it. No, get out of my way. I'm trying to preach the word. Come on. Have you ever planned a trip so carefully that you know exactly what will happen at every juncture of the trip? <laughs> you know that when you pass the big plastic cow, you will turn left in about 5.3 miles. When you finally get to put an algebraic word problem to good use. If we leave at 845 and it's 450 miles and our average speed is 77, we should arrive by, well, I'm not going to do the math. I'm a historian, not a mathematician. But you know what I'm talking about. You've made the plan. You've left the house. You're on your way. And bam, something happened. Something has caused the plan to halt, and you are forced to recalculate. Construction or even car trouble has caused a delay or even completely cancels the trip as you know it. There are a couple of options that we have at this point. We can either lose our minds, throwing temper tantrums, which maybe happens when you're in the car with me, or we can reassess the situation, look around to see what we have available to us, and go on with our day. This scripture passage in Jeremiah 29 is a great example of having one's plans disrupted and needing to take stock in the surroundings to continue with life. This text takes place during the Babylonian exile, and it's in that time, it is not unheard of for a prophet to have a scribe, someone who would go around with the prophet throughout their day, making sure that the words that came to the prophet got written down. Though much of the culture at that time relied on passing their history through an, an oral tradition, it is most likely that Jeremiah dictated his book, which be, his letters, which became this book, to his scribe Baruch. Much of the book was written down as the events were happening, 
as the events and the emotions were fresh. Jeremiah would have been about 47 or 50 years old by the time the exile began in 586 BC. And the letter is sent about three years into that exile. During those years, the people had been hearing the tales of false prophets that at any moment they were going to be let go and allowed to go home to the lives they had carefully planned. Jeremiah sent the letter as an oracle from God, explaining that they were going to be here most likely beyond the current generation. The people are called to blossom where they are planted. They are to take where they are right now and make their lives. But Jeremiah does not stop there. He mentions another tidbit. Not only are the exiles to embrace the place that they have been sent, but they are to pray for the welfare of the city that has absorbed them. Jeremiah tells them that the welfare of the city directly influences their welfare, that if the city is at peace, they will be at peace. God is speaking to the people through the prophet Jeremiah, and while the people are wondering when they can go home and why they had been here in the first place, God is with them, setting into motion actions that will eventually see them home. Within the Hebrew scriptures, there are many examples of God's love and grace for the people. Story after story shows that the people have turned their back on God. Time after time, their unwillingness to have faith in God has put them into terrible predicaments. Like, for instance, being exiled to Babylon. But God always brings the people out of the messes they seem to get themselves into. God's love is so great that even though the people have all but abandoned him, the people are released from their captivity. It is not immediate. It feels that God is going to make the people sweat it out a little and really think about what they've done. The words they hear, however, tell of a God so much more forgiving and loving than the one that they deserve. This exile is not going to be easy, and God is not going to let the people sit idly by while actions take place. No, God tells the people that they are to blossom where they are planted, to keep going to see to it that they build their homes and plant their crops and let their children marry. God tells the people that they are not to sit and wallow and worry about what's going to come next. Not only does God tell them to start on a good, get started on a good life, but they are to pray for the peace and welfare of their enemies. God is very good at giving us the and of things. We are to blossom where we are planted and pray for the welfare of our enemy. 
or as we are reminded throughout the Gospels, we are to love God with all of our hearts, minds, body, and strength, and love our neighbors as ourselves. We do not get off the hook with God by only looking out for us and for what best suits our understanding of the relationship. Our world is faced with a lot of unknown right now and a lot of things to worry about. So many of us have been personally touched by unemployment, substance abuse, illness, Right now, because of those issues, a lot of us are feeling stuck. We don't have the money to move. We don't have the ability to provide safer spaces for our children. The lives we have planned for ourselves have somehow come to a grinding halt. But what do we have? We have a community full of people that are looking to make a better life for themselves and hopefully those around them. We have a congregation that is in need of some new life. We have been born into a time and a place that has required us to pause, to reassess our situations and make our lives anyway. It is easy to blame other people for our issues. It is easy to take a look at the things we have had to give up in the last few years and to look around to find someone to point the finger at. But blame is not blossoming. Blame is not praying for the welfare of the community around us. Blame does not provide a safe place for the children of our community to come so that they may never know what it's like to feel unsafe. We have been charged with holding each other up, with loving each other, with praying for each other. It is the call of this congregation to provide peace and welfare to the community. The church can provide tools and networks for the people here, whether it is compiling a list of local agencies to help with getting work a new home, treatment for drug addiction, or even just a list of people in the congregation that have skills that may be needed, electricians, plumbers, lawyers, etc. The church can provide a safe place for children in the evenings, weekends, while their parents are at work. The ch church can provide a location for parenting classes, anonymous meetings, and other organizations. We can host a community meal. The youth can start a community mission team that can provide help for people of all ages and incomes. Individual members can keep their eyes and ears out for those that need assistance, whether it's a coworker or maybe a parent on the travel ball squad. As members of the body of Christ, we can keep the welfare of our community in our hearts, and as a result, we can all blossom where we are planted. In order to do that, though, we have to set aside our idea of how things are going to play out. We have to set aside our own agendas to open our hearts to the work that God wishes for us through our communities. 
we have to allow others to make up their own minds and merely offer them a safe and sacred space to hear the word of God and to feel the good news that is Jesus Christ. To deny that is to put up a stumbling block in front of the children of God. For the people in exile 2,500 years ago, it must have been a scary thing to not know which way was up, to not know if they would ever see the homes of their ancestors ever again. Through all of the uncertainty, even when the people did not quite understand what their future held, God never left them. God never abandoned them. When they were oppressed and removed from their homes, God reminded them through the prophet Jeremiah that God was in control. All they needed to do was have faith and blossom. All they needed to do was take what they had around them and learn to thrive. All the while praying for Nebuchadnezzar and the very people who brought them to this place. Unless you've been very lucky, and congratulations to you if you have, the plans we make for our lives sometimes don't work out. At least that's certainly how it feels. Some of us have become so dedicated to a plan that we cannot seem to function even if the slightest element goes awry. We are so reluctant to sit back and hear the word of God and hear where God may be leading us that we try to force a round peg into a square hole because it's the plan that we have. It is so easy to become engulfed in our own problems that we can't see the problems of anyone else around us. When we take a step back, take a deep breath, and look at our resources, we can see what we have available to us. But it is not just about what is available to us. It is what we have for others. God directs us to be agents for those in need. The construction cone was blocked off, has blocked off our favorite thoroughfare. But we have the ability to go another way and still arrive at our destination. Which, in case the math problem has been bothering you, is 2.30 p.m. if we only stop for gas. Amen. Amen. 